to Kingdom Tuesday, and we're picking up from where we left off yesterday. Um, so go back and listen to Meredith Monday if you missed that one. This one's not going to make a whole lot of sense, but assuming that that has happened, let's roll the tape. To Kingdom Tuesday. Let's get going with this thing. I want to um, continue on from where we left off, and we were talking about the sanctification of culture, um, uh, and this in context to sacred, secular, um, and how that all works with Kleinian thinking and uh, the redemption of culture and that sort of thing. Now, um, I mentioned a um, uh, article that was written or a paper written by Lee Irons. Um, when was this thing written? Let me just quickly scroll back and have a look. Um, right, 2015. So that's awesome. That wasn't that long ago. That's why it's so good. Okay, go check that article out. And um, let me get back to where I was. Page 18. Uh, just a helpful little section because we could go to Kingdom Prologue and uh, check it all out. And actually, um, Eins does a great job in just listing all the relevant places there. Um, so do feel free to go and uh, have a look if you do have Kingdom Prologue. Um, but just kind of for the sake of speed and time here, I'm going to just uh, read this through with you. And uh, and hopefully this conveys the basic idea. And, um, and then we can chat about it very quickly before we drop this thing. So um, I just said last or yesterday, Monday, one of the things that... Um, that people often overlook about Meredith Klein is that in all of his talk about the common grace kingdom and the redemptive kingdom and how the whole thing is set up in his covenant theology and how every sort of two kingdom person will look to Klein as the granddaddy of the movement kind of thing. Um, you know, a, lo- a lot of that then, you know, all, all the excess and zeal that might come out of the the, the two kingdom movement might be directly attributed to Klein or even just the lack of nuance that you sometimes see in amazing theologians. Um, just perhaps they don't, you know, they aren't as careful as Klein was, I don't think, sometimes on this issue. And so we just want to make sure that we're going to ground zero and we're figuring this out and making sure we're building the thing rightly. Um, so what Klein does is he says, yes, I am trying to uh, show you that you get a sacred and a secular in that in in the sense of in the and and even the word secular is probably not the most helpful thing as we said uh, on friday and yesterday in that you've got kind of this whole philosophy of secularity at the moment which is really not what we're talking about um but but let's maybe use the the holy uh the unholy and the non-holy so holy of course is the sacred the unholy is going to be evil and wicked and the world system and then you've got the legitimate parts of the world uh even even to do with those uh, issues of the magistrate and those that that area of cultural activity that God Himself has ordained, even even though people might not be worshiping or directly um, intending to give Him glory, it's it's not it's neither holy uh, nor uh, unholy, but instead it's non-holy. Now here's the thing, though, that Klein is saying: we would be making a mistake to think that all of life was not religious. Just simply because we've we've talked about a, these realms uh, of this common realm, a neutral realm, 
Um, it's it's not to say that all of life is not religious. So let me just read from the top here. Uh, under the page 18, the no neutrality objection. And I read this yesterday, but let me just overlap a little bit. Now, perhaps you're forming an objection in your mind. Ein says perhaps it's the classic Van Tillian objection. Klein, you're making it sound like there is this vast realm out there that's neutral. You don't see it as either holy or unholy, but is common. But there is no neutrality. Everyone is either doing cultural activity for God's glory or in rebellion against God. Now, there's a lot in there that feels good, right? You should read that and go, mm, yeah, that's right. But yet I'm Kleinian, so how does this work? Well, Ayn says, Klein would say that it's, a, it's absolutely true that there is no neutrality. Uh, remember, Klein was a committed Vantillian. That is why he acknowledged that all of life was religious. As believers, we engage in the cultural mandate uh, in its common grace mode, and we do so in obedience to God, who has ordained this common grace culture and who commands us as believers to be involved in it. Now, just note, he didn't say we engage in the cultural mandate uh, as you know something unaffected by the fall, uh, but he's careful to point out, as Klein does, that he, we engage in the cultural mandate in its common grace mode, the refracted form, as it were. And uh, I'll just refer you back to previous episodes on that one. Um, but why would we even do something like that? Well, it's all in obedience to God, who himself makes this distinction. So uh, as Lee, Lee says, uh, the fact that we do so in obedience to God prohibits any dichotomizing of man's life into religious and non-religious areas, all that we as believers do, as it relates to both our cultic and our cultural activities, is religious. As Paul himself says, And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Um, now, here's, what, here's where we ended off last time. Because if you say that, then what exactly are we, are we saying is different than the transformationalists are saying? Uh, who say that every part of life is religious and therefore we got to go and sanctify the culture. Uh, we've got to go and uh, try and redeem uh, all those things uh, around us. Uh, and and this is part of the Christian mission, as it were. Well, Klein again. Now, here's where we're into sort of nuance number two. Uh, and this is particularly relevant to Two Kingdom Tuesday. He says that um, you get two kinds of sanctification of the of the culture. A subjective sanctification and an objective sanctification. Um, and this is how he explains the distinction. Positively, it must be recognized that the whole of life, um, the, sorry, the whole life of God's people is covered by the liturgical model of their priestly duty. All that they do is done as a service rendered unto God. All their cultural activity, in the sphere of the city of man, they are to dedicate to the glory of God. Uh, this sanctification of culture is subjective. Now, what is he talking about there? He's just saying, this is the stuff, you know, you worship everything, every you work well, you go to work, you know it's not a um, uh, a religious thing that you're doing, or no, no, let me not confuse you now, but uh, a cultic thing that you're doing you're not uh, worshiping you're not in the realm of the sacred when you go and work in the your, your insurance office random uh, illustration there but you know you're sitting at your desk it's got uh, you're in the common grace realm and yet you're working hard as a Christian you're 
you know, you're a shoemaker, you're making a good shoe, selling it as, as a fair, fair price. You're not trying to put a little fish stamp on the side of the shoe, but you're trying to work hard is, you know, for a reason. You're, you're wanting to glorify God. You're wanting to worship. You're wanting to give him glory and you're making a good shoe at a fair price. And this is, um, you know, this is something that you're doing because you are dedicated to seeing God glorified. Um, and it's all it's subjective, you know, because what, what like, let's say, you know, you have a, a town of a thousand people um, and then you have 10 Christians in it and you got, you just got a subjective, you know, you got 10 Christians out there subjectively sanctifying the culture in their own spirits. Uh, this is happening within them. And yet it's having an effect on the wider culture around them. Um, and imagine if that very thing had to happen to you know, like almost all of the, the that town. Well, you've got a very sanctified town in some sense, yet it's not trying. It's not like the town's trying to, you know, be redeemed as part of the new creation or governmental structures been set in. It's just simply that everyone's just dedicating their lives to the glory of God, and that's going to have a powerful effect on that culture. So, really, what we're talking about there is the faithful presence, salt and light thing, and. Um, and it's just another way to think about it. It's a subjective sanctification of that culture in that, as Ayn says, it transpires within the spirits of the saints. Negatively, it must be insisted that this subjective sanctification of culture does not result in a change from common to holy status in culture objectively considered. Right? The common city of man does not in any fashion or in any degree become the holy kingdom of God through the participation of the culture sanctifying saints in its development. Viewed in terms of its products, effects, institutional context, etc., the cultural activity of God's people is a common grace activity. Um, so there, there we've just delineated what it means to, uh, you know, and this is really what, what the Kuyperians or, you know, transformationalists would want to do. They would want to sanctify a city or a culture uh, objectively. And so, I mean, there you're looking at something beyond merely the the spirit of the saint who is in that culture. You're looking at something that um, would change its status at some point. And, uh, you know, just thinking about uh, South Africa and the Kuyperian model that, that was often used, it was it was really impressed. I'm not, I'm not too sure as, as to where the exact details fell here, but... The basic idea was as soon as you could um, kind of, you know, mo m the majority was Christian and you had Christian laws in place and you just like no one could work, no one needed to work on a Sunday, for example, or uh, as soon as that was a legislated thing, well, that, that you know, culture could be said to be Christian and therefore redeemed and made into a, uh, you know, given a status beyond the common. And, uh, you know, that's what we're saying is just, you know, barking up the wrong tree, you know, entirely out of sync with what we're supposed to be doing now. But there you have it. Um, there is a, we do want to redeem culture in some sense, to say it provocatively, but, you know, the culture subjectively, uh, within the saints, um, not objectively. We do want to uh, sanctify culture, but subjectively, not objectively. Uh, we do want to see all of life as religious, but again, as this is expressed in subjective sanctification of the culture. 
Um, so hopefully that's helpful to you just in terms of, again, giving you something to think about and breaking this thing down a little bit more and giving some more nuance to it and just helping you to, you know, it, there are differences between this view and the transformationalist view, but um, at least now you don't have to overplay those differences. You, you know where they overlap and, um, and uh, maybe even in your own heart sometimes. You know, we'd be making a big mistake in saying, well, you know, we're in the common grace realm now. We'll think about Jesus again on uh, the next Sunday or next sacred day, you know. And that's just not at all what anyone is saying. So don't ever let yourself go that way. When you watch TV, when you listen to music, it's all, all of life is religious in in the sense we've been talking about. And uh, and must all be um, dedicated, sanctified, set apart to God in your heart. Uh, and you you want to give him glory in everything, every thought, word, and deed. Um, it's just that it's going to fall into two different rubrics there. Well, again, short one Tuesday, just to kind of keep us moving along here this week. And uh, again, hopefully helpful as it syncs up with the rest of the stuff we're talking about. Uh, bless you guys. Have a great week. Mm-hmm.